growing apostolic legacy, and we're glad that you're here. And I'm going to just tell you the Christmas story briefly because next Sunday uh, is uh, the children and the adults, and then of course will be Christmas. And I I know it's uh, Christmas time, and it's just it, you can go and read the, through the Bible, and there's a Luke, I think the first chapter, and then Luke, the second chapter. But go back to that. I'll, there it is. And, and, uh, and then Matthew, the second chapter. But that's often what we see when we think in our minds of the Christmas story. It's a lovely little stable and a little lovely cow and a little sheep and a donkey and <clears throat> the shepherd somewhere there and wise men with presents and a little lamb and stars and angels and cherubs and it's lovely. And I, uh, I, I think in terms of how uh, idyllic and that's a crash and uh, we put them up uh, we have one at our home, and uh, we, we love to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I, having been to Israel, and we stood, and when I came back, I showed you a picture of the fields out in front of, you know, a cave that they had found, and could this be the cave, and could this have been the stable? And there in Bethlehem, of course, Bethlehem is, uh, is controlled by the Palestinians. And so, you know, getting in and out of there and all these things. But it's, it's idyllic. And you look out over the valley and, and it, it's a lovely thing. But uh, go ahead. You see, if you read these scriptures and starting in Luke, it, you begin to see a whole different side of the Christmas story. Maybe one that we often sort of overlook. It is a, a great story. It is, of course, the story of the birth of Jesus. And yet, when you realize that <clears throat> as you read through uh, Luke, you find that Mary is addressed by an angel. An angel shows up and uh, salutes her, says, Hail, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, the truth of the story is that most scholars believe that Mary was a very young girl. Could have been 16, 14, 15, 17. And the reason being is that she was espoused to Joseph but was not yet married. And a lot of times in those countries, they arranged marriages before they would allow them to become married, you know? So it was like known, this is the guy you're going to marry. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, she is bombarded with this. She is confused. Uh, Blessed art thou among women. She is obviously in turmoil, afraid. And then the verse 30 of this Luke, the first chapter, uh, the angel has to say to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Everybody say favor. favor. Now, how many, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many would like to be in God's favor? How many would like to know God is working for me? God likes me. 
I mean, it's better than the other, isn't it? I don't want to be God's enemy. I don't want to be the guy that God is saying, I'm going to figure out a way to get this guy because it's like, I think he's got lightning bolts at his disposal. It may not be real tough. If God wants me zapped, guess what? And then sort of the other shoe falls because you're going to be favored by God. You're going to have a child named Jesus. She knew the name. He's going to save people and that he was going to sit on the throne of David, which means he was going to be the Messiah in her understanding of what the Messiah was going to be. Now, the reason I say the other shoe falls is because here's a young girl that's sharp enough, old enough, wise enough to know this is going to cause a major life change. To be favored of God is going to impact my life. You cannot have God's favor and do and live and be the way you want to be. And that message was, boom, you, you are favored of God and now your life is going to be upside down. Whoa. I'm going to have a child. Now, I... The Bible doesn't tell us what all was in Mary's mind, but it gives us some insight that she started calculating. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have not been with a man. I'm, I'm, not, I'm a virgin. Uh, people are going to question me. This could mean that Joseph will reject me. This could mean that he will walk away. This could mean humiliation. Uh, these were not the days that they are today where uh, an unwed mother could have a child. In fact, there could be the penalty of being stoned. There could be the penalty of being put away privately and basically forever scorned. And let me just assure you that that still became and was a huge possibility because there were times whenever Jesus was questioned as an adult over 30 years of age and, the, and people would say, we know who our father is. Who is your dad? Because you came here and we're not sure. And there are still heretics today that will write that Mary was abused by a Roman soldier and that's where Jesus came from today, 2,000 years later. That's the scorn that Mary felt. But I am what? Favored? Oh, I want to be favored and be popular. 
I want to be favored and have. I want to be favored and have a lot of fun. I want to be favored and have a great job and have a nice house. I want to be favored. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the Christmas story. Just telling you. Mary recognized, and in fact, her response to the angel was, it's not possible. I'm a virgin and it's not doable. And the angel went ahead and explained to her, the child in you is going to be the product of the Holy Ghost. It's going to overshadow you. Read, read these verses in, in its entirety. And then tells her that her cousin is going to give birth to John the Baptist. She's six months along. And then the angel says something very powerful. For with God, nothing shall be. Isn't it awesome to know that? To believe that? You say, well, but I've prayed for this for five years, 10 years, 20 years. I still believe with God, nothing shall be impossible. Wow. You say, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how rough. You don't know where I am. You don't know. I know a God that trumps every other situation, every other problem, every other thing. I know a God that is able. <laughs> and so she goes and, you know, and spends some time with Elizabeth and you can, you know, her, Mary's response to all of this was, you know how, what she said? Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. Totally humili humiliated, humbled, totally talked about behind. Let me tell you, don't think for a moment Mary didn't hear whispers. Amen. You know, oh, they were going to get married, but it was going to be a couple years when Joseph got a shop and had a little more money, but I hear they had to hurry up and get married. I wonder if it was Joseph. I can't believe it. I don't. Joseph didn't act like that kind of guy to me. Well, then I wonder who it was. I wonder what Mary did. Don't think she didn't know people were talking about her in her hometown. In fact, that's why the Bible says Jesus could later do not many miracles in Nazareth because they knew him and they doubted just exactly what happened in his birth. That's right. That's right. We're not real sure about him. Wow. You, you know, you want to talk about, I want the favor of God. I want the blessings of the Lord. But you know how Mary started singing? You know what Mary's song was? My soul doth. When people start <laughs> any kind of thing on you, you know, you got to start making God bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger than all my problems. Bigger than all my... 
Bigger than the doctor's report. Bigger than what? Oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt. You know, sometimes people look at us a little crazy and they wonder why we're praising the Lord. Well, what do you have to praise the Lord for? Well, right now, the only thing I have to praise the Lord for is the fact that one day he called me out of darkness into his marvelous light and I'm going through it right now. So I'm going to make the Lord bigger so that my problems get smaller. When the Lord gets bigger, my problems get smaller. When the Lord gets bigger, then everything else gets in perspective. And then she says, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. And then she continues singing God's praises. Go ahead, next slide. If you read it in the second chapter, they go back. She was in Nazareth, or, and so I guess she and Joseph get married and she's gone through six months, seven months, eight months, and I've never had the privilege of carrying a child because the Lord knows us guys couldn't take the pain. (laughs) But having been around my wife and the birth of our two girls and then seeing my two daughters who've both had children the eighth to ninth month is one in which you walk very quietly into the house (laughs) and you find yourself rubbing the lower back and shoulders and bringing hot uh, heating pads and uh, giving massages and hearing all kinds of woe. And I know a lot of that is greatly exaggerated having a lot of personal experience. (laughs) That really, I've I've actually had a bad cold once or twice, so I do know (laughs) what childbirth is like. And imagine at about eight months, three weeks, four weeks, some idiot in Rome says, you've got to go back to the land of your ancestors and pay your taxes. Now, Nazareth is about 150 kilometers or For those of us who are not into kilometers, what? About 70 miles. Now, jump in the car. You can be there in Dayton in no time. Unfortunately, Henry had not yet developed the car. No Fords. So... The only way is either by donkey or walk. Now, this family was not well flushed. 
As a matter of fact, we realize how poor they were by the sacrifice that they offered for Jesus when he went to be circumcised, and that was just two turtle doves or two pigeons, and it was the cheapest sacrifice you could give because most of the families would give a lamb. So we know they were not rich. And money talks. So she was not rich. She wasn't wealthy. And she was there. And I don't know if they had a donkey to travel on. We like the little pictures of them on a donkey. Maybe they rented a donkey. I don't know. But if you could go about two and a half miles a day, Every, I mean, two and a half miles an hour, every hour, for eight hours a day, stop, give the donkey a rest or give yourself a rest. It's a four-day journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I am highly favored. I am blessed of God. God, one month, you could have waited one month we would have gone and paid our taxes. What are you doing having Caesar wake up and decide to issue such a stupid, stupid, stupid taxi deck in the, to go hump? God, I, I, it's obvious you weren't thinking about me and you weren't thinking about this, my condition right now and what, what it would cost me to ride, go walk. I know you've never acted that way. But when you've flown about seven hours and you watch as your plane is there shutting the door. This actually makes no sense. I'm exhausted now. I'm fixing to be more exhausted. That's why you got to keep praying for me because, see, I, I'm not like Mary. I, I, I have a tendency to hands on my hips. Huh? Do not understand this at all. And we're going to a place where there's no relatives, no midwives. I don't know where we're going to stay. We don't have money for a lot. And when they get there, guess what? And there was going to be no... I got stranded in an airport that had noodles that you could eat and curry. And I ate some. <laughs> She's going to a place with no McDonald's, no Burger King. She's going to have to make her own food, make that for Joseph. No doctor's office. No go to the doctor. Hey, doc, what do you think? No hospital. And now, for those of you who work in a, in a hospital you know, room, you know they know how important those last final hours, they limit how many people can go in to see you, and they limit how many people can be there, and the lights have to be just so, and down, and they have sweet little music. And I, I like all of that. I'm not against all of that. But Mary wasn't going to have all of that, folks. 
In fact, she got there and there's no room and you know the Christmas story. She ends up, they go, well, you know, if you want to bunk with the animals in that nice clean stable where animals are fed hay and animals, you know, go outside to go to the bathroom because they're all well trained. Huh? This is the Christmas story. Okay? And she delivers a baby, and about that time, a bunch of smelly shepherds come busting in the door. Even in our hospitals, they go, nope, you gotta, we got to know who you are. We got, is there a new family? Are you immediate? Only two people in the room with you, blah, 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 blah. Huh? Shepherds, cows, donkey. Wow. I am blessed. And they go and they go to the temple to sacrifice for Jesus. And some older gentleman walks up to him and says, Oh, bless the Lord. A sword is going to pierce your soul. Go to church and somebody says, so good to see you at last. Hallelujah. You're going to really go through it, girl. You're going to have it. Huh? And then little sister Anna comes up, another older lady, and says, oh, blessed be the Lord. And I am sure... Mary's mind was going, blessed? I, do, do you know what I went? <laughs> yeah, God bless you. That's nice of you to say that, but you don't know what I've been through. Now, you probably never felt that way, but that's Mary for you. She starts blessing the Lord, singing the praise. Wow. Then to top it off, if we really take the story fast forward, Herod at some point hears about these wise men coming to look for the king of the Jews, directs them into Bethlehem. So I don't know if she had to go back to Bethlehem after she went to the temple. I don't know when the Bethlehem part of this happens, a year later, a month later, six months later. It's irrelevant, but at some point she's in Bethlehem. The wise men come. They are bringing gifts, and they go to Bethlehem, and you read it very carefully. They fall down and work. And then they open up gifts of what, what are the presents? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So a lot of times we think there are three wise men. The Bible really doesn't say there are three. It just refers to them in the plural. We know there were at least two. We think three because there were three presents. But it was, it could have been six. And so it was like she did get a baby shower, which was nice. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, you know, we still celebrate a lot of babies today. And then when they have a birthday every year, we kind of give presents again. And some of you all are still getting presents on your birthday. And you'll probably get coal or something from Santa this year. I get it. I give presents and all that wonderful thing. But guess what? The Lord warns them in a dream, don't go back. Home, now take this baby and go to Egypt and stay there until Herod gets through with his man. 
because he's fixing to kill all the babies in Bethlehem and does so. But the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that were given to Jesus are the three things that we have to have to survive. And just to give you a quick rundown, gold is like faith. I know it's a standard, money on the gold standard. It's things that you invest. I don't have any gold from Roslyn Gold Works or from anybody that I know of. And I realize that people buy it to hedge against the fall of the dollar, the collapse of economies. It's a standard. When you travel in that part of the world, their gold, most of their gold is 24 karat gold, which is bright yellow, where ours is more 14 karat gold. It's kind of a duller yellow, but they have a bright, bright yellow, gold, gold chains, and gold watches, and gold, gold, gold. People have gold. And I know you can have fake gold, and you know they'll sell you a solid gold Rolex watch for $8 on the Buja Street in Singapore if you really want one. I'm not sure it's real, but it's $8. I didn't buy one. Could have brought everybody one, I guess. But here's what First Peter, the first chapter, says about gold. Wherein you greatly rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Oh, I don't like it when I'm going through it, but that's what he said. Though now for a season, if need be, even if you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found, notice this phrase, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. When you are going through it, whatever you go through, when you are struggling through all the situations and you reach the point where you don't know what else to do but magnify the Lord, and bless the Lord. It is perfecting gold. It is purifying the gold that you received when you got the Holy Ghost. When you were born again at your baby shower, the Lord said, I'm going to put some gold there and they're going to have to purify it through the trial of faith. What are you saying? When our faith is being tested, our praise is being tested perfected. I don't want to keep praising the Lord when things are bad. I don't want to raise my hands. I don't want to come in front and worship. I just want it to be over. I just don't, I don't, huh? What are you doing? I'm bringing a present back to Jesus. You put a little faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You put faith in me when I got the Holy Ghost and now it's my job to purify it. Oh, when I don't feel like it, I praise him. When it, I don't want to do it, I praise him. And I'm standing there with my hands on my hips and I tell my wife, okay, thank you, Jesus. I wasn't what I wanted to say. 
But I said, thank you, Jesus. And about that time, a little Korean man came and said, let me tell you, you can welcome to go to our lounge because of all our mistakes, so you can have a place to rest and stretch out and charge your phone. And I said, now I can really say, I was saying it from the teeth out. Then all of a sudden I said, thank you, Jesus. Oh, for about six hours, I had, they had a buffet in there and I got more curry and more noodles. And they said, we're going to find, try to find a way to move you up in the planes because we've done so this. We're so sorry. We're so sorry. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we didn't get to sit together, but they got to move us up a little closer to the front. Now, oh, hallelujah. What are you talking about? The Lord is good. The Lord is great. The Lord is worthy to be praised. Whatever you do, it doesn't always happen that you get all of those things immediately, but you are still refining your gold when you keep praising the Lord. No matter the valley, no matter what you're going through, I'm going to praise him anyway. You're going to, ain't no rock going to take my praise. Ain't no rock going to stop my worship. I'm going to praise him. The next thing was frankincense, and frankincense is a type of prayer. Bread Psalms, it said, let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Revelation, it said, the angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and having much un, given unto him much in, incense, would offer it with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came up with the prayers of the saints ascended before God out of the angel's hands. And if you kept reading, you would find that when the angel got a whiff of the prayer, he started releasing lightning bolts onto the earth. You want to you release the presence of God? Just start praying. Just start going to the Lord in prayer. I don't know what else to do, you know. Pray about it. That's all I know. Just throw a javelin of prayer. What a gift to be able. You know, I, and I, I put here because it's amazing to me. You know, I, I, and it's okay, but I, I, there's, you know, we, we, were, we knew President Clinton. He was in Arkansas, and we ended up, you know, when he served in the White House, and and we, we were privileged to stay there and had a little cachet, I guess, and, and he was kind to us. But, but imagine, I, I still was not able to just go up and say, open the door, I want to see President Clinton. I had to make a call with the secretary, and I, I did that a few times, and, you know, arranged, and they would call us, and we would call them, and, and you know, all of that when his mother died, I remember my wife got a phone call at school, and, and, and it was a secretary that said, uh, is Miss Shostra in there? And yes. And so they went and got her out of class, and they, they came to her, and when she got on the phone, it wasn't the president. It was still the secretary. And the secretary said, just stay right there and hold. The president is fixing to talk to you. And so however many minutes, four, five, ten, whatever, then finally the president got on the phone. I, I don't have immediate access to anybody powerful. 
Now, much now, Trump, Biden, whomever, that was a unique situation, but even that didn't have immediate access. But guess what? We have. What a privilege. As my wife said earlier, we got text messages over there. But guess what? You don't even have to go through and wait for you. You have Wi-Fi or cell phone immediately whenever you bend a knee wherever you are and say, Lord, I need you. What a privilege it is to be able to go to the King of Kings right into the Holy of Holies and to say, I can talk to you. He is better. I, 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 you know, I understand. You're hurt. I understand. Call a doctor. Call a an attorney, but you know what? You can call somebody that's greater than a doctor. Call somebody first that's greater than an attorney. Call somebody and say, oh Jesus, help me. Now call 911. I need a a policeman, but you know what? I need somebody more important than a policeman. I got in touch with the king of all glory, the king of kings and the lord of lords. Oh, I need a job. Can you get a hold of a CEO? Can you get a hold? Praise the Lord, Brother Vishwanatha. That's exactly right. He's there to worship. What are you talking about? God, access to the presence of God is worth more than anything. Oh. You know, I need a new job. Call a CD. Do you know anybody? Do you know anybody that can get me a job? Do you know anybody that can get me a job? I want to know because we know how to know and know. And I, 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 I make a call for you. I make a call. Guess who you can call before you call a buddy? <laughs> Lord, open a door. Make a way. Huh? I know, y'all, I'm, I'm sitting and I've heard some of the stories about how God opened the door, made a way, changed things. That's the kind of access, that's one of the gifts of the wise men. What a privilege! All right, I know my time. The last gift God gives us is the gift of myrrh. And myrrh was used in the anointing oil. It's different from incense. Because myrrh smells very sweet, but it tastes very bitter. And they would crush myrrh. You can read it in Leviticus how they made the anointing, and they would pour that anointing oil on the high priest. It is the gift of keeping a sweet spirit instead of having bitterness. And it's easy to get bitter. One of the signs of the last days is many shall be offended. The Bible repeatedly says your attitude impacts your gifts. And I didn't put it up here because I didn't want you to think it was just an offering time, but you've heard it before. The Lord loves a not just a giver, but an attitude of I don't believe he needs this. I don't believe this right. I don't like what's doing. 
I'm going to give it anyway, but I... Maybe God honors it. I don't know. We'll use it. You can give it however you like. We'll put it in the parking lot or on the roof or do something with it. But, but when it comes to God blessing you, I don't know. Well, you don't, don't, don't take it out with me. I'm trying to just quote the Bible for you. Folks, you do what you want. Act mad. Nobody here does that. I'm just saying. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter and third verse says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, which is another word for saying what? Love. It profits me. What? Nothing. Nada. You can give, you can work, <laughs> you can support charities, you can work for youth boosters, you can do, you can do all kinds of things. Nobody does that. But let me tell you, you know what it profits you? Nada. It's not my words. Don't take it out with me. Take it out with the guy that wrote the book. The anointing that we need is that gift of a submitted spirit. That's what distinguishes service to God. She offered prayer with a sweet spirit, praise with a sweet spirit, a sacrifice with a sweet spirit. You see, the reason that we have been anointed is to serve somebody, serve the body, serve the church, serve the Lord. Our prayer, our praise, our sacrifices were a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Oh, if you, are, you know, I don't want to do, I don't want, I can't stand it, I don't like it. I, and I, I've heard the stories, and this church is full of people that have given so generously. I. I've not heard one negative story. Every time I've heard is how people took vacations and came over after work and built buildings and tore down and basements. And, I, and you know, I understand we're busier now than then and all of that. But, oh, if we could be baptized with the anointing of the Lord, that no matter what I'm asked to do, I do it with an attitude of, Lord, oh, that's the gift of myrrh. Go ahead, next slide. Jesus, we know, said they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh in Mark, but he did not receive it because the myrrh would deaden the pain, and he would not take it until just before he died. And you remember I preached a few weeks ago, I don't know if y'all can remember that far back, but about bitterness and how just before his death, he took the bitterness in, and then the Bible says he gave up the ghost, and they put it on a reed and gave him to drink. I want to tell you something. 
Myrrh will help you get through times when they're going, things are tough. He will take the myrrh or the gall to show that bitterness can be defeated. You do not have to live angry at someone all your life. I know you were done wrong. I know it wasn't fair. I know it didn't feel fair. It didn't feel right. It didn't seem right. But the gift of myrrh is to bring it to the Lord and offer it as the anointing and say, Lord, I remember when my wife and I were evangelizing many years ago. Just leave that slide up. That's my last one, and I'm going to get to it. But I remember we would go to different churches, and we were treated in a lot of different ways from A to Z. Z. And sometimes when we would leave a church, we'd hold hands. We'd say, Lord, thank you for such a wonderful opportunity to meet so many of God's people. What a privilege. Oh, I know they're going to be praying for me and we're going to put them on the prayer list. And then there were times we would hold hands as we left. We'd say, Lord, Thank you for teaching us how to never treat people. Thank you for showing us how to treat people differently. If we ever pastor, thank you, Lord, for showing us how not to do. Hard to do sometimes? Yeah. I can tell you war stories of more that will curl your hair. But you know what? I'm so blessed today. So blessed. He's able to take all the bitterness and make it sweet. The wisest man in the world penned this verse thousands of years ago, Song of Solomon. Fourth chapter and sixth verse. Until the day break and the shadows flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep letting the anointing flow. That's the only way to make it till the day dawns. The dark night is here. <laughs> We've been doing another week. Sometimes we would do them two weeks in a row, huh? <laughs> and yet, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep letting the anointing flow. I'm going to keep the faith until the day breaks and the shadows are gone away. Oh, I've been blessed. I went to a baby shower the night that I was born again of the water and of the spirit. And I want you to know.